Ragdong Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and welcome to another in our series of Space Spinner 2000 collected episodes. Our goal with these is to collect our coverage of 2080 thrills and storylines in one place. You can easily listen to them in one go. There. Great accompaniment to reading the 2080 collections that are published by Rebellion and others, or just to hear us talk about the good stuff without being interrupted by all that other stuff. <laughs> this week. Easy to grab, easy yeah, to read. Absolutely, yeah. This week, we're traveling to infinity and beyond with Dan Dare! It's the best one. This one's the best one. <laughs> yeah, we're covering the section of Dan Dare known as the Lost Worlds, which was specifically, or sorry, which was basically a soft reboot of Dare in 2000 AD, following the launch version. Uh, that version was written by Ken Armstrong, Pat Mills, Kevin Gosnell, and Steve Morwith, with art by Massimo Bellardinelli. It ended in Prague 23, and the Lost Worlds started back up in Prague 28, and then ran until Prague 85. Um yeah, it sort of came in taking the place of the concluding Harlem Heroes back in the day. So, these stories are collected across two different graphic novels, the two volumes of Dan Dare, the 2000 AD years, volumes one and two. Um, and they split the stories that we'll be talking about here nicely in half and are available in both digital and hardback editions. Absolutely. Yeah. The script stories for... The script robots for these stories uh, are primarily Jerry Finley Day, as well as Chris Lauder, usually writing as Jack Adrian, and Roy Preston, or sorry, Roy Preston, sometimes writing as Henry Miller, and other times teamed up with Nick Landau. The, it all makes sense, I promise. Yeah. The art and the lettering robots for the majority of the Lost Worlds is Dave Gibbons, working very hard for that second paycheck, so he does the art and the lettering, as well as art by uh, Trevor Goring and Gary Leach. Damn. Yeah, so Fox, like I said, so just to talk about it a little bit, yeah, Fox always calls this the battle action playset area. Hell era. yeah. And it's hard to disagree. Early on, Dan gets the extremely toyetic ship, the Space Fort, and a couple of recognizable crew members, and heads out into the stars. Ready for just action figures and cool things that shoot plastic missiles. Exactly. All that thing would have been great. Yeah, in true military fashion, he's out there to go... Interesting places, meet interesting people, and kill them. It's, it's pretty much like the running theme. It's amazing. Yeah. It's interesting to note that it appears that 2000 AD really wanted people to like Dan Dare, but had trouble doing so, which leads to them like doing interesting tactics, like putting the first page of the Dan Dare story on the cover of the Progs, for instance. Um, and while this does lead to some very interesting covers, especially like with the Star Slayer storyline and stuff, I'm actually not a huge fan of it, I must say, Fox, because oh. when, when you combine this with the earlier super covers, it kept some of our favorite early thrills, like Shaco or Invasion or something, from ever having a, a cover spot, you know, in the course of the of 2000 yeah. AD. Yeah, but that's just old sour grapes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, The Lost Worlds is definitely the high point of Dan Dare for Fox and me. I think we can definitely agree on that it's a great example of just a straight-up space opera in early 2000 yeah. ad which is often in, in, in short supply in 2000 ad as just as a sci-fi comic yeah but so i mean you get you've got a lot of different like crazy situations that they just plunge them into absolutely but, 
really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. So, Fox, we're about to start to our uh, coverage of Dan Dare, The Lost Worlds, but do you have anything that you would suggest for people to look out for as they read and listen to Dan Dare? Uh, number one, start a genocide counter. Just <laughs> do it. Just do it. It's amazing. Um, like, it's easy to forget that you're tallying this number and it's actually the mortality rate of unknown millions. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's that I would say is the first thing. The second, ah, man, just every planet they land on, like really let that sink in as you just kind of go on this roller coaster ride. There are so many different uh, kind of like landscapes that they go to, which have like sometimes related, sometimes incredibly unrelated problems mm-hmm. to what that is, and just how they're illustrated, what's going on in the story, and how you then have to illustrate that. I can't imagine it wasn't in some ways challenging and in some ways super fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dan Dare's not shy about about completely wiping out alien jerks. And <laughs> I want to stress that that's why we love Dan Dare. Like, that's oh what God. makes him so great. <laughs> he just indulges in what he truly is. Yeah. And I say also just look for uh, the different characters and stuff. Guys like mm-hmm. Hitman and Bear and all those guys, all the non-Dan Dare characters that are a lot of fun and very like, you know, like, oh, we have to get this action figure too. Oh, he's got a gun welded to his hand because the action figure does. Stuff like that. Or how like Lord Starslay is just a thousand billion times more cool than the Mekon. <laughs> he shoots a star out of his head. But anyhow, that's enough of that, Fox. <laughs> let's, let's blast off with the pilot of tomorrow and... Travel to the Lost Worlds with Dan Dare! Uh, we're going back in time. Episode 8. Progs 28 to 31. September 1977. Drill for Dan Dare. Not garbage. Dan Dare's back, motherfuckers! It's not shit. It's not total, complete garbage. But his face is weird in a lot of these pictures. He looks different, man. He's got a sweet new coat. Yeah, he does have a sweet new coat. It's a bomber jacket with a tight, skin-tight blue shirt underneath, tucked into his jeans. Mm-hmm. He's so Dan Dare, sense. Oh, yeah. So Dan Dare gets hired by uh, SASA, the Solar Astronautical and Space Administration, to lead an expedition to the Lost Worlds, a sort of mysterious um, quadrant of the galaxy, and see why all the different like colonists and explorers there are all dead. <laughs> Great. Yeah. To do so, uh, Dare can handpick his crew, and he does so by heading to Topsoil, a uh, space station full of hot... That is a uh, hive of scum and villainy, essentially. Hmm. It's full of all these bad dudes. Dan Dare basically wanders <laughs> the space station, picking fights with the toughest guys aboard the space station, and <laughs> telling them all to meet him at a certain spot. It's very uh, Three Musketeers-y, if you really want to get into classic literature. Absolutely. Uh, um, with a little bit of a mix of Star Wars, episode one, or episode, what, four? Four, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> so he picks a fight with all these dudes and then tells them to meet him at uh, this one spot, like, the next day. There's, like, a, a space cabbie that's super aggro. There's a uh, space Russian guy that's super strong. So There's, awesome. Uh, uh a, de- a crack shot whose gun is fused onto his hand forever. Also, so many questions on that one throughout this comic, but continue. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and so he shows up. Everybody's like, we're going to beat your ass, Dare. And he's like, oh, yeah, check out my sweet space fortress. Who wants to go on a space mission? And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> they're like, dude, you get paid heck of money. So they're like, oh, we love all of this. I'm ready all to go. Upside. Exactly. So we head out. <laughs> Dan Dare has a crew. And now we're just basically, it's become sort of episodic as we go to different planets and sort of see what their deals are. Uh, first up, we go to this cool planet that looks like it has a bunch of shiny stuff on the surface. But, oh, geez, that shiny stuff shows out to be flying giant space bugs. Not great. <laughs> yeah. They kill all the space bugs and then destroy the planet. That was close. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome because that's exactly what you want to see. Oh, they attacked us. We're going to blow up the planet. Hey, I mean, those space bugs were, were, were a menace. He's using his ability to get things indirectly murdered, uh, <laughs> I think, in a better application. Indeed. So next we go to a desert planet. The desert planet's full of tornadoes that can instantly skeletonize people. Um, the planet itself seems to be alive. They end up sort of destroying or emptying the water supplies of their landing craft onto the surface of the planet to create quicksand, which freaks out the living planet. And then another shuttlecraft comes by and picks them up. <laughs> Yay. And Space that's it. adventure over. Yeah. Yeah. Good time. Well, you know. Right now, it's kind of like, what you call it, uh, it's kind of like interstellar. You know, they kind of land on these planets to be like, okay, is this a good place? No, we're out of here. This is terrible. You know? Yeah, it seems like most of them are not great places to be. Ah, but the third one's different, man. The third planet is pretty sweet, actually. It's full of people. It's Roman-themed, complete with, like, hot Roman chicks. Lots of uh, hot Roman chicks. Yeah, Dan Dare puts down a near mutiny of um, his troopers. Because Who happen to, like, to be like hot-blooded, horny Italians with knives. Yeah, just to kind of be like, hey guys, like let's be cool. And then we can hang out with all these uh, Roman chicks, you know? <laughs> Things go bad that night, though, when Dan Dare on patrol uh, finds two crewmen with their hearts torn out. And it turns out that all these space Roman dudes are actually space Roman vampire dudes. Space vampire Romans. The worst kind. And that's so. and that's kind of the cliffhanger for this week. As we're like, what are we going to do? Or we, this plant's full of space vampire Romans and my guys are all drunk. What are we going to do? <laughs> so uh, this series has gone from shit and garbage and tat to being really great. And I love it. Yeah, it's um, good, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, and this this last prog specifically being space vampire Romans is amazing, but uh, it also has that sort of um, Odyssey slash Gulliver's Travels feel to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, like, or, like, even just, like, Star Trek, where it's just kind of like... Oh, yeah. Like, hey, we're Definitely. on a new planet, what's going on? But I agree that it's super Star... That this last one is super Odyssey-like, just because, like... The guys are drunk and they're sort of being lured in by um, ease and pretty women and stuff like that. That makes it very yeah. like like the Lotus Eaters slash Cersei part of yeah, uh, the Odyssey. Exactly. <clears throat> and um, really just like breezing through each place you get to like I, I always like these non necessarily non um, like story sequential. Maybe they've been to a couple of other places since this it doesn't necessarily feel like there's continuity between the disparate episodes yet mm -hmm. but you're seeing like the different capabilities there's already been losses um they're seeing some cool stuff the the ship looks fucking ridiculous <laughs> but it's a pretty fun ship man it's very but, um i'd say it's very like uh like 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 
like Kenner toy kind of exactly. Kind of ship. I was and I was just about to say like if I was going to sell a toy, you got to make it look right. And what is a comic book other than potential marketing? Yeah, it's not quite a Star Destroyer yet, but it's making. I feel like as it's being drawn, it's slowly making a transition towards Star Destroyer. Oh, definitely. It could be one by the end. It is kind of V-shaped at the moment, but I think it's going to be more so in a couple, in like a, like three or four months of progs. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this one, man. Like a lot, to be honest. Yeah, it was a great uh, turnaround I, for, for yeah, for Dan really, Hare, for sure. Really improved. Yeah. No, it's a good, it's a good space adventure. Episode ten. Progs 32 to 36. October 1977. Thrill 4. Damn dare. So we pick up where we lost, where we left last uh, last episode, where Dan Dare and company were about to get eaten to death by uh, Roman space vampires. Which space, is weird. Space Roman, Roman space vampires. Okay, they're like in space. <laughs> <laughs> they look like Roman guys, and they are vampires. So I don't know what the order for that is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's and just yeah. generally confusing. Yeah, but so they're about to eat our, our our guys, and our guys are all disarmed. Their guns are in a big cage up in the roof. <laughs> Luckily, Dan Dare is able to get there in time and hit the cage with all the guns, and the guns come flying down pinata style, and everybody... Uh, grabs their guns and starts shooting the hell out of these vampires and they run back to the ship and everything's cool. It's pretty great, to be honest. It's really just like Dandere runs in, we gotta get these guns, and then it's just a, a huge firefight as everybody shooting everybody as Dandere and Co. escape. <laughs> it's so cool. The, the final panel has two puns in it. <laughs> First, really? first, Dan Dare says, uh, those guys bit off more than they can chew. Oh. And then he says, no one's going to be heartbroken to leave. Because the vampires yeah. eat people's hearts. Uh. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty good. No, that's great. <laughs> wow, Dan Dare's really not terrible anymore. He's got, he's got his, he's got his uh, puns working, and that's all anyone can have, you know? <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. So, next Prague, a ship gives Alpha distress signal, but Dan, Dare, and Co. are too late to help them. Instead, they go back to the ship's home world, where they uh, borrow some loot and then pretend to be another freighter that gets attacked by pirates, and then they kill the hell out of those pirates. Yep. Surprise. We're not actually this thing as we shoot off the metal plating that was covering us to make us look like we weren't definitely a warship. Yep. We're a warship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pirates get taken back for trial, and this planet, uh, Phoenix, becomes the first friendly planet that they've uh, met in their in their time going out. Also, kind of, like, by force friendly, because they're, like, super pacifist wusses. Yeah, but, you know, they know a good thing when they see it. Yeah. <laughs> those guys have a really big ship. Back the guys with the giant cheese block. Yeah. Uh, also, there's some pretty decent laser sword fighting in this issue, and this laser sword fighting is definitely Star Wars based. Yeah, big time. Um, next, next up, after a crewman attacks a uh, space monkey that has sto stowed away aboard their ship, which is bad luck. Yeah, well, monkeys were the first animals to go into space, so killing, so like they're like considered lucky by uh, spacer lore. 
uh, Dan Darren crew head down to a planet called the Green World. They've gotten a big star chart from the Phoenix guys. The green planet is covered in jungle and full of killer trees. Whoa. Uh, our boys are trapped down there. Oh, no. It is pretty creepy. Yeah, like a bunch of, of uh, vines start coming out and the trees like walk around and eat people and stuff. Yeah, like the roots are feet. Like it's yeah. super creeps. <laughs> so now next to Prague, it's tree fighting time. Uh, Haley, the guy who attacked the monkey sacrifices himself to allow the rest of the team to escape the death trees because like it's to atone for attacking the monkey man uh, yeah but like really like he was the skeptic and he was like ah never mind this is definitely for the monkey that i hit in the face absolutely the monkey recovers from the attack and because that guy was named Haley, they decided to name them the monkey Haley jr Hey, let's not uh, talk about the fact that Haley was a black dude, all right? Like, that's that's probably right. better not to discuss. All right. I mean, okay. <laughs> Finally, in Prague 36, uh, with a script by Jerry Finley Day and art by Dave Gibbons, our boys investigate a space station inside a curtain of asteroids on their Sweet Eagle landing crafts. Mm-hmm. The station open fi- opens fire, and one of the crafts and a bunch of our guys are killed. It turns out that this is an outpost of the clearly evil Star Slayers Empire. They say to run away, but Dandare is not having that. <laughs> nope. He and a bunch of his guys paint their spacesuits black and prepare for a midnight raid on the space station. It's so weird. Like, <coughs> the painting their spacesuits black thing is really weird just because they still have names written on the helmets of their spaceships. <laughs> Other spacesuits? Yes, so you know who's who. But it's like base relief, so apparently they both painted their their spacesuits black and then repainted their names on the suits in white. So great. (laughs) They all just, like, went up to the other person and just, like, drew their name in. Yeah. Well, you gotta know who's who or whatever. Well, it's bonding, you know? Yeah. But so Dan Dare, man, he's doing pretty good, right? Yeah, you know, um, this is good now. Uh, It's Gulliver's Travels if it was about murder. Yeah, it's fun, murderous, action-based space adventures. Dan Dare's got a good combination of uh, bomber jacket, eyebrows, and sideburns that really make him very heroic and awesome in sort of a late right. 70s way. <laughs> Those eyebrows, man, the hook really gets me. Yeah, one of... So Dan... Okay, I, I just noticed this, too. But <laughs> Dan Dare's, like, right eyebrow, uh, like, the hair comes up and like, a hook. Or I guess both his eyebrows, actually like a hook at the end of them and it's it's a very unusual way to draw an eyebrow yeah it's pretty pronounced like (laughs) his eyebrows are really thick leading towards the the um bridge of his nose and they get thinner as they go towards the outer edges of his eye but then a straight line just juts out and then uh a sideways look and see it's weird yeah i think yeah it's an interesting look for this weird guy named dan there i love it it makes him seem like a lot more tr- like extraterrestrial, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, I could see it. Episode 11. Progs 37 to 40. November 1977. Thrill for Dan Dare. Oh, God. So, in their, uh, in their black spacesuits... <laughs> are... <laughs> Which I still find ridiculous. It's good, man. No one can see him coming. Uh... <laughs> Our, our boys in the space fort attack the Star Slayer Starbase. 
they're successful and beating the crap out of everybody. Oh, are they but, lizard men? They're like green guys. But they yeah, got they, the scaly skin. Yeah, they could be lizardy. I'm down with that. Okay, so they, they also 100%. they also have like beards and like but like also pointy teeth. Like they they they, they got a lot going on. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So before so they t- they beat everybody on the base, but before they do, the Star Slayers send out a distress signal, and now the entire Star Slayer Empire is coming after them. Um, our guys swipe the plans for the Star Slayer battle fleet and some star maps and head back to the Space Fortress. There starts to be some discussion among the crew, like, hey, do we want to just, like fight these Star Slayers? It's like the whole Empire. We're just one ship. Maybe we should head back. And that's like the Navy guys and all the ground guys on Dandier's team are like, don't be a coward, you coward. we got to keep fighting. But, like, they kind of have a point. Like, I mean, they, they go as far as saying, like, let's cut and run and screw all of this. But mm-hmm. it's it's like, why wouldn't you go and tell the Federation that you're supposed to be documenting all of this for, like, hey, there's a really serious threat out here, and they don't like us because we had an altercation that we couldn't avoid. Yeah, true in theory and practice. Oh, God, there's two Star Slayer <laughs> cruisers bearing down on us. We got to fight. <laughs> I, <laughs> don't apply your Picardisms here. Nonsense also, in the world of amazing Dandere. Why? By the way, the ship battles are awesome in yeah. the next coming progs. Oh, I should mention all the uh, all the Dandere stuffs written by Gary Finley Day and drawn by Dave Gibbons. Um, but yeah, next prog we got a crazy outer space fight. The uh, their shots with the space fortress looks extremely Star Destroyer like in these space yeah. fights. But eventually, the Star Fortress, the space fortress, is able to take down the Star Slayer cruisers. But the ship is badly damaged. The crew flies to a Star Slayer mining planet, being mined by slaves and very, you know, low-tech things. A lot of shirtless dudes and uh, Star Slayers with whips being like, work harder, you know? Yeah, it's like a huge Egypt thing feel to it. Yeah. Or like uh, um, uh, Spartacus, I guess. Exactly. So the ship flies down. They uh, cover the ship in technotarps. <laughs> and uh, Dan and a uh, Dan Dare, uh, Big Bear, and Hitman put on slave disguises and head out to find materials. By the way, everything in threes in, in these last couple props. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Hitman looks real subtle with his gun welded to his hand, just kind of wrapped in a towel as they head out in their disguises. <laughs> Uh, Bear saves some slaves from a cave-in in the mines, and our heroes make friends with the slaves. He was pretty awesome. Like, yeah, he man. just lifted boulders off of some dudes. Some awesome boulder lifting. <laughs> they lead a midnight raid on mineral stores, with Hitman shooting out the big spotlights and Dan Dare taking out one of the slavers' electro-whips by throwing titanium powder at it, shorting it out and frying the guy alive. Oh, snap. Uh, Dare and Hitman return to the ship with materials for repairs, and Bear remains behind to manage the coming slave revolt. (laughs) On the uh, Star Slayer homeworld, Star Slay... Which really... This does get repetitive, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, the evil Dark Lord prepares to fight Dan Dare, and is like, hey, we gotta stop these guys before (laughs) they encourage rebellion among all our slave races. But like really super intense, like this. He had the way he had said it. He's like, "This is the most uh, intense enemy we have ever faced," and it's like, yeah. 
one ship? It seems like they've just been, you know, they haven't had any problems yet, you know? They've just been on easy mode this whole time, I guess. Oh, there you go. Maybe it was just that simple. I guess they yeah. do have a special light that makes everybody dumb. Yeah, that's what happened next. The Star Slayer <laughs> employ their ultimate weapon, which is some sort of brainwash light. <laughs> all the Slayers, all the slaves are brought to heal as well as Big Bear. Um, they lead an assault on the, st- on the spaceport, which our boys manage to fight off and take Bear back aboard the ship. But he's completely brainwashed into being a Star Slayer loyalist. Whoa, no, not Bear. It's real sad, man. He's just saying we should all surrender and give in to the glorious Star Slayer Empire. But I say no. Hell no, man. I ain't no Star Slayer. Yeah, fight on. So so no top dues, I gotta say. Like, Dan Dare, I know he's got a great haircut now, but we've seen it. No new haircuts. No one, no one showed off their hair. His hair has got to reign supreme in this comic. <laughs> yeah, so Bear's a, a loyalist. Dan Dare's doing stuff. It's good times. Taking out these slaves, covering ships and space tarps, killing these star slayers. Looks like we're doing a lot of star slayers stuff these days. Yeah, pretty much in the foreseeable future. I don't know. Good explosions. Good storyline progression. Dan Dare's weird now. I like it, but it's just like it's awkward. You know, just sort of traveling through the galaxy looking for trouble, you know? Yeah, just like me. I'm, I'm worried about that. Episode 12, Books 41 to 45, December 1977. Thrill for Dan Dare. So, we'll remember last time Dan Dare and his buddies were on the run from a bunch of uh, Star Slayer ships. Mm-hmm. They, this time they escape by running silent and just hiding in, like, an asteroid belt, despite the... Um, the efforts of the crazy great bear who's been hit by the star slayer shining star weapon and brainwashed for their side. Uh, the, the, the team's still looking for more allies among the star slayer slaves. They go to a planet called drone home to a bunch of crazy bug monsters. Yeah. They're pretty gross looking. Yeah. And after some initial difficulties, dare manages to convince them to join the war against the star slayers. Meanwhile, on Star Slayer, the Dark Lord orders some traps set on various slave worlds. And back on the planet Drone, oh no, it's a trap! Oh look, there's giant tanks inside of these buildings that we've never been inside of. Yeah, well these bug guys live in big uh, hives, and some of the hives are apparently hollow and full of tanks, which is terrible. (laughs) Terrifying, man. Yeah. The guys manage to take some out, but then the Shining Star arrives once again. Hitman knocks out Dare and puts a Star Slayer helmet on him, which has, like, shielded eye, eye deals. Yeah. So Dare is saved, but Hitman is hit, by, is hit by the star and is knocked out, frozen in a trance. So first Bear, now Hitman. We're, we're running out of secondary characters on this story. Yeah, we're losing all of our A-list. Yeah, it's all backup guys now. So with everybody taken out, Dan Dare has to go on a solo mission. He does a solo deployment to a world full of gladiator dudes who are but, weird orcs kind yeah of? They're, they're 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 i wouldn't call them space orcs because that's a very specific thing but <laughs> if you kind of imagine a D orc as opposed to a 40k orc and put in the future then it's definitely that yeah they're using <laughs> laser swords they got yeah. laser broad swords oh man just cutting away at people yeah Dared attacks the Slayer guards and inspires a slave revolt, and it's gun versus laser sword. I like our chances. It gets pretty rad. Yeah, there's a cool slave revolt going with a uh, laser broadsword and stuff. 
the Dark Lord sends the Shining Star again, which turns out we finally see to be a satellite that sends out hypnotic radiation to control people. Uh, Savage Kid for cancer. I mean, it's mind control cancer. That's the good kind. <laughs> Savage gives a bunch of the of the warrior dudes like Star Slayer helmets to block out the light, and then yeah. tells the the Star Fort to come get them. But before he can tell them, like wait a few hours before the Shining Star moves on. Uh, the Slayers cut the transmission and then send a different one, telling the Star Fort to come right away. Oh snap! And they've, yeah. they've got to hit the warp drive. Yeah, so the Starfort star warps right into the light of the Shining Star, and everybody, the whole Legion, is brainwashed by the Star Slayers. No! Yeah, they land and take Dan Dare prisoner, and now they're heading to the Star Slayer homeworld to be executed. Ah, uh, dip. The Star Slayer homeworld. Star Slay. Yeah. These the Star Slayers are consistent in their branding, and that's to be appreciated. <laughs> I suppose so. I will say I like I like this generic bad guy. I like his terrible mustache and beard and his, his mustache, eyebrows. He's got like a helmet that kind of like is like has like a Y shaped thing, but then his mustache sticks out of the sides of the helmet. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it was made to make sure that those were accentuated, you know, a little <laughs> bit. Um, Dan Dare is good, but all of his A-list characters got completely robbed, and then just in like the turn of one episode, all of yeah. his just terrible people. Like Polanski's the only person, so he's like C-list. Yeah, and he gets uh, shining starred right away. And you know, I mean, he gets shining starred right away. Everybody's taken out. They'll be back pretty soon. I'm excited about this new th- this new Dan Dare story. Is going pretty good. It's got a lot of action. Uh, Dan Dare sort of fit like not like failing but like you know having a bunch of stuff he's, he's having difficulties and overcoming them he's not killing he's not killing his own guys which i appreciate like it's just generally good day and day stuff yeah well and the action's super consistent um you're never just kind of sitting on your hands in the middle of an episode or a, like a prog yeah um where it used to kind of drag on or just the things that he would do would feel very pretentious in this case, you kind of feel him concerned about, like, the people he's working with, concerned about saving this um, system. Yeah, and his coat right. remains awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, his bomber jacket is always great, regardless of weather or uh, terrain. Exactly. Episode 14. Progs 46 to 49. January 1978. 301. Dan Dare. Uh, just want to put a caveat before you start on it. This, uh, this dude at the front page of Prog 46 is just like, oh, <laughs> like I, the space crucifix is terrible. Yes. Yeah, so we open up with, um, you'll recall last week, pretty much the whole Dan Dare space fort ship, but hypnotized by the Star Slayer's evil hypnotism, you know, weapon thing. And they captured the ship and Dan Dare, and they were taking them back to the homeworld of Starslay. So apparently, flying around Starslay everywhere are basically the enemy, the defeated bodies of Starslay's, of the Starslayer's enemies crucified in space and hanging around the planet. It's pretty badass, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to send a message to anybody flying through your orbit. Um, yeah. So there's basically just a, yeah, there's just a bunch of five-pointed stars with various alien dudes strapped to them. <laughs> just kind of lying there being like, ah, we died in space. Bah. The sarks. 
Oh, man. Yeah, so you start off with the Star Fort, with the Space Fort landing on Star Slay, and the, our, our, the whole team coming to and not being brainwashed anymore, but it's too late. Um, the Star Slayers attack them, and there's a big uh, melee, and they force everybody in a space suits to be space crucified. <laughs> <laughs> but in the uh, space ruckus... <laughs> <laughs> Dan Dare puts on one. Uh, they basically stuff one of the Star Slayers into Dan Dare's uh, spacesuit, and then Dan Dare wears um, the Star Slayer spacesuit and begins his infiltration. Which you know, I thought these guys were green. Dan Dare's definitely not green. I don't know. It no works. No one's looking too closely at it, I guess. But so after that, Dan Dare basically diehards his way through the space fort as they're about to start crucifying his dudes. <laughs> He does some stuff involving uh, preferred differentials <laughs> inside the ship. Oh, <laughs> At least you're a big blowout that sucks everybody out. Of the yeah. Ship, yes. It's a magic, um, uh, what is it, like toaster timer. Yeah, it's a weird thing. But so, then Dan Deere runs through the ship. He um, dual-wielding space uh, laser blasters. <laughs> he takes out the Dark Lord, who's the leader of the Star Slave. He takes out the Dark Lord's bodyguard contingent and then takes him hostage and yeah. the the uh, star slayer fleet sees the dead sees the crucifix guys being tossed out but oh no they're star slayers <laughs> the, the humans have uh, rebelled and danda is like ah you can't attack us because we got your leader on board so you don't surrender then uh we'll kill your leader guy and you're, just, <laughs> you're like you're a fool dan dare i have my own methods yeah, he gets he gets pretty sassy about getting captured. Yeah, so with the Dark Lord captured, Dan Dare does a big message to the whole Star Slayer Empire saying like we got the Dark Lord <clears throat> and everybody should like, you know, consider themselves freed and stuff. <laughs> he, uh, bro- he broadcasts it to all the different slave races we've met so far, the Star Slayers, the minor guys, the bug dudes, the uh, the space orc guys. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, you're all free, whatever. Yeah, and pretty then, much. Yeah, so then Dan Dare makes a classic bad guy move and just leaves um, the Dark Lord behind in a locked room with a couple uh, grunts with guns on him. And so, okay, <laughs> I gotta Fox, I gotta, I gotta for the people at home, I gotta describe what uh, the Dark Lord's uh, costume looks like, right? Yeah, because the basic thing is that all these Dark Lord guys have um, these kind of Roman helmets with like, like kind of like a like, two things for eyes and then, like, a slit down the middle for the mouth and stuff. Yeah. And st- and the the Dark Lord's one has that, but then there's a big star on the top. This is where marks him as the Dark Lord. It's got horns on the side, too. But mostly it's got a star on the top. Because he's a Star Slayer Empire guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And so <laughs> when <laughs> the Dark Lord's taken captive by these four dudes who are just sort of watching him, uh, the Dark Lord puts his fingers to his temple... <laughs> the, the, the Dark Lord puts his fingers to his temple, and the star on his helmet comes flying out and flies around and cuts the throats of, like, five dudes. And uh-huh. kills them all instantly. You know... It, it's so dumb. <laughs> you, pro- you probably don't become the Emperor God King of Star Slay uh, by not having a couple of starish tricks up your sleeve to kill a bunch of guys taking you that's, captive. That's fair. He definitely has that. <laughs> he anticipated this crap. That tells me something about their political system. Totally. 
So with the Dark Lord free, he tells, um, you know, he's losing the ship, and he tells the rest of the Star Slayers to attack. And that's basically what happens. Star Slayers attack is a big boarding action aboard the Space Fort. Dan Dare and his boys fight it back a little bit, partially using space axes to attack the enemy ship, which is pretty nice. Yep. Um, it's really weird. They just like, uh, we got to get out there with these axes and start beating the hell out of it for a reason. Yep. And so it basically ends with um, the boy, with, with our boys sort of uh, cut off in the airlocks of their ship, sort of girding themselves to the final mm-hmm. assault. And then the, uh, the the ship's pilot says like, hey, but look there. We're getting some uh, some some sights in outer space, but we don't know what they mean. But it's the, we we could be in for the biggest shock ever, and that's sort of <laughs> the cliffhanger. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and that's where we leave it with, um, you know, basically the climb in the midst of the climax of the Star Slayer saga of this refurbished and there. It's pretty fun, I gotta I, say. I absolutely love it. Um. Lots of action, man, and lots of different weapons, laser swords, space axes, space guns, dual-wielding space guns, star hats. Star, star hats? Yeah. Yes. No, it's got something for everybody, for sure. <laughs> fun for the whole family. Yeah, the other fun thing, and I don't know whether I was going to, I wasn't sure if I should mention this here or in the non-thrill section, but all the comics this month, the first page of the Dan Dare story is also the cover of the, uh, of the prog. So, like, you know... We see the dudes space crucified on the cover of the magazine with like um, the the exposition text and like dialogue balloons and stuff like that, and then it goes to page two. It's pretty rad. It's a, it's a bold way to start the comic for sure. Oh yeah, I mean you're getting like this first taste of everything going on, and right now Dan Dare's got a lot happening. To be honest, yeah, this is like this fight for Star Slay is like huge fight like there's all this stuff going on there's space stuff and there's uh on board ship stuff like it's mm-hmm. it's it's cool times i don't know yeah it's not bad space action i gotta say i mean I, there's not much else to really talk about it's the substance is sort of like yeah they got to make it out of here and they'll figure out a thing but for the most part it just really started out the comic well and it doesn't super overstates welcome i want to say that uh even if even if you don't include the um, front page, there are usually only, like, three or four pages. Yeah, it's pretty quick action, and <clears throat> just sort of, it's really just, eat, like, each prog is just a little beat of the story, you know? Yeah, and it feels pretty tight. Yeah, for sure. Episode 15, Progs 50 to 53, February 1978. Thrill 1, Dan Dare. So, uh, last week we ended on a cliffhanger. Uh, Dan Dare and his band of merry jerks were assaulting the uh, Star Slayer Empire, and like things were looking bad. And then there was a readings on the radar, and it's like, oh no, who could it be? But it turns out, in fact, this time to be a reinforcements from the slave races of the Star Slayers that we've met previously. Go go space orcs and yeah, laser swords. There's the space orcs with their laser broadswords. There's the bug dudes, and they have special suits so they can shoot the little weird jellies out of their forearm. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess we also met some minor guys, but I think those guys were uh, pacifists, so they can't take part. Yeah, they were doing other things. It's kind of mentioned like they were taking care of the base or something like that. Yeah. So Dan Dare. Uh, 
So as the Star Slayer is being taken down, Dandere runs out to take down the Dark Lord of the Star Slayers, and he runs face first into the flying helmet star of the uh, of the stars of the uh, Dark Lord of the Star Slayers. Helmet star is my <laughs> yeah. Everyone remembers because it happened for them a week ago, Fox. Um, <laughs> but the Dark Lord's um, helmet has a star on it, which looks ornamental, but he can put his fingers like up to his forehead and shoot the star out of his hat, and it cuts people's throats open. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and this one's getting dangerously close to Dandere's fashionable eyebrows. Yeah, luckily, in the next prog, he manages to use his uh, laser broadsword like a cricket bat and bat away the helmet star and eventually destroy it. <laughs> all that, all those years of cricket practice coming into into full fruition. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This is quite a try, I'll say that much. <laughs> so, the Dark Lord escapes and has the... And uh, so, the Dark Lord escapes, he gets in like an escape pod... And he tells the Slayer fleet to fire like a huge Armageddon missile, and they're like, "An Armageddon missile!" Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, but the Armageddon missile—that'll kill all the all of Dare's guys, but all of our men too." And Star Slayer's like, "I don't care. I'm evil. I love killing my own men." Um, <laughs> but as they fire the missile, it apparently it, uh, it it accidentally flies directly into the Dark Lord's ship. And it kills him, and he's apparently moved far away enough from everybody else that it, he's the only one caught in the explosion. Yep, and then everybody has a cool standing around party until they have to leave for more action. Yeah, well, the Star Slayers surrender, and the slave races are decided to start how freed, and they're going to start building a Star Alliance out of the ashes. And Dandare is like, cool beans, uh, <laughs> I'm not here for peace, I'm here for killing stuff. <laughs> Him I and mean, the space even, fort fly off into the sunset. Well, I mean, even, like, pilots just like, hey, man, when do we get some shore leave? And he's like, fuck you, don't ever say that. <laughs> we'll have shore leave on the ship, all right? How about that? <laughs> when you're shooting monsters from another planet. Right. So, in the next prog, uh, the boys in the space fort find a space coffin floating around in space. They That's get in their... Yeah, they get in their spacesuits and run out to get it. As they do, it scans Dan Dare as he touches it. And when they open it aboard, there is a Dan Dare clone inside. Now, Whoops. as always happens when there's a clone of somebody, the two of them <laughs> scuffle and everybody's instantly confused. Yeah, like, oh man, the one who came out of the coffin. Which one is he? Looks just like the other guy. Well, the, you know, they're dressed exactly the same, and then they scuffle, and it's hard to keep track of anybody, you know? <laughs> Unless you win three-card Monty every single time, Fox, you can't look down on these guys. I guess. <laughs> but so, the crew decides that fake Dandare is the real Dandare. Uh, Fodare? Something like that? <laughs> um, and... They decide to uh, to chase and kill the real Dan Dare. Uh, real Dan runs and fake Dan grabs Bear's pistol and shoots at real Dare. And he kind of hits him down an alley and everybody assumes that the real Dare is in fact fake. Or is, is uh, in fact dead. Yes, because they think the real... Because off the ground from his coat. Yeah, they think the real Dan Dare was both fake and now dead. So, uh... <laughs> Which is great. Not confusing. 
well, you know, the fi- in the uh, final prog this month, fake Dan Dare is walking around the uh, the bridge. He's acting uncharacteristically evil for regular... Oh, I should mention, I guess, that the clone of Dan Dare has all of Dan Dare's memories and stuff. He's able to, like, know people's names and stuff to be uh, to pass as Dan. But yeah, it's really weird. He, he's also really, like, super evil and shouty and, like, hey, here are some coordinates I just happen to know. Take the ship there. And everybody's like, wow, like, Dan's really being a <laughs> jerk and I wonder how he knew the location of this planet. Whatever. Uh, well, I think, you know, even Dare has his off days and he probably gets a little snarky with people. So they're like, oh, man, he must be all pissed because he saw a clone of himself, you know? I can see it. Um, so eventually... Uh, Real Dan shows up and he proves that the alien isn't him by showing how the fake Dan Dare basically keeps grabbing other people's guns to shoot at him. <laughs> and then the whole thing ends with Real Dan Dare, uh, well, I guess taking someone else's gun and shooting the fake Dan Dare. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Luckily, uh, the fake Dan Dare, when shot, turns into a bunch of a uh, big pile of like vegetables and plant matter. Yeah, and it smells super rotten, and everyone's grossed out. Yeah, but it looks like while the plant could copy all of Dan's um, knowledge and stuff, it couldn't copy the mechanical construction of a blaster. So I could just look like it. Yeah, so he couldn't actually use the gun at his waist. And then, oh snap, they're just outside of this weird planet now. Hey, let's check it out. <laughs> so I, you did skip over one part that I think bears mentioning, which was there was a buggy race. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay, yeah. The one key part of a uh, of fake Dan Dare or a real Dan Dare escaping from fake Dan Dare was that the two of them got in space buggies, like you know, just like little golf carts in the belly of the Star Fort, and just had a had a low speed chase through the corridors of the Star Fort for, for um a, a a couple panels. Yeah, it's pretty great. They dump crates. There's some wreckage. They're like, oh, God, this all sucks. And there's some fist fights, and someone gets shot with a laser. It's right. It, 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 the only way it could have been more stereotypical is if there was some sort of fruit stand that one of them had driven through. <laughs> I also want to say before we move on that um, <clears throat> when we originally taped this show, there's a really funny part where Fox said, alright, so we're at this alien planet, uh, tune in next week as Dander kills them all, uh, genocides all of them, and as we know from last week's episode, that in fact happens, so big ups to uh, to Fox for figuring out the beats of Dander. <laughs> I, I mean, if there's one thing that is positively true about this man, it's that he takes no chances with anything, and by that I mean he will kill entire races of people if he has to. It's pretty good. You know, you got to be sure, I guess. I mean, you just got to be decisive, right? Like, it's space. You don't know who's going to try and doppelgang you out of a freaking space coffin. You know what? That's true. got to kill? Yeah, fair enough. But, you know, it's it's just really easy to kind of see right through that kind of ploy. So, of course, it's going to kind of result in genocide. <laughs> this is why we're a good team. Episode 16, Progs 54 to 57. March 1978. 301. Dan Dare. Someone call Kevin Costner. <laughs> uh, Dan Dare's not a mariner. He's like a space pilot, dude. But you know, He is going to Waterworld. Hey, don't... We haven't gotten there yet, all right? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> because because first we got to investigate this doppelganger planet oh, from so good. the plant-based doppelganger guy that we found in a floating coffin last episode. He put in coordinates to like his home planet, and the ship went there. And then the doppelganger of Dan Dare was killed, and so 
But now they're like, hey, there's a planet. Let's check it out, which seems fair enough. I mean, that's why they're, like, out there, right? So Basically, yeah. Like, to find new civilizations, poke them with a stick, and then destroy their home worlds, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Take everything from the Prime Directive and reverse. Hey, man, that's just... That Prime Directive is just Starfleet's Prime Directive. Like, I see a lot of... I've Sorry, not to get on a, on a rant here. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of science fiction things where people talk about the Prime Directive like it's an actual Prime Directive for everything, and it's not. It's just Starfleet's Prime Directive. Like, if that's not your species' thing, then you don't have to abide by it. It's just made up. Well, I mean, they even concede that point in Star Trek. Like, several times. It's yeah. just like, yeah, like... This is what? us, but we think it's the right thing because yeah. you're doing nice guy stuff. And it's like, okay, well, what if like the Cardassians are just really good at being not that? Exactly. But I don't want to get too too into it because that's not what we're here for. Strike um, cast. Come yeah. soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> we land on it. We land on the distant on this uh, doppelganger planet. <laughs> They, as they land, the Eagle Landing Crafts are attacked by copies of Eagle Landing Crafts, complete with like copies of the crew inside the ships and stuff, and it freaks people out. Yeah, it's super weird. Guy blows up. Yeah. Eventually they land, and as everybody looks around, Bear finds, Bear, the Russian crew member, finds a crashed star cruiser with a bunch of pods out front. They sort of zap him with mind zap lasers. When Dan arrives... He finds six bears, but only one is the real one. Oh, snap, body snatchers. Yeah, which leads to uh, my favorite cover of this of this month's uh, progs, <laughs> which is, there's like, uh, you know, all the covers this month are the first page of the Dan Dare comic. And so this, and so prog 55 starts with there being six bears and Dan Dare saying, bear times six, but which ones do I kill? <laughs> which like the phrasing of that as opposed to like there's six bears but which one do, but which one do i save you know yeah as opposed it's... to which ones do i kill it's telling that's all i'm saying <laughs> that's a telling detail of 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 his personal character yeah yeah no uh, yeah of the mindset of of mr uh daniel dare yeah future dude <laughs> As we're going to come to find out, yeah. Anyhow, uh, he has not yeah. lost his bloodlust. <laughs> Indeed. So it turns out that the old, uh, hey, go for your gun, and then they all go for the real bear's real gun ploy still works pretty well. <laughs> uh, Dan and Bear kill the rest of the copies and whatever, and then they escape. Uh, they take off with their ship just in time, as it turns out that the downed cruiser had a planet bomb inside, and the <laughs> entire... <laughs> Planet is completely destroyed. Hey, Conrad. Yeah. Question, just real quick. Uh huh. So a planet bomb, right? Yeah. Blows up. Just like we have on our ships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like we have on our ships. Yeah. This man came prepared, ready. I mean, this is not the first... Potentially blow up a, an entire planet. This is not the first time we've seen Dan Dare... We've seen in this section of Dan... In this, like, you know, new version of Dan Dare with a coat. Arrive on an alien <laughs> planet. Find the aliens to be hostile. Make no effort to communicate with them. And destroy their entire planet. It's happened before. <laughs> Dan, you know... 
<laughs> Dan Dare's law is like Dan Dare's love. It's hard and fast, you know? Like, he's really... Like, I know everybody says Captain Kirk is the basis of Zap Brannigan. There's a little <laughs> bit of, of Dan Dare in there. You know what I mean? God, he, he commits genocide against something sentient enough to make copies. Right. And successfully say, like, what coordinates to go to and stuff. Like, the Dan Dare copy was smart. It could talk and make it make it make it to have a decent replica of Dan Dare. Same thing with the bear clones, you know? Yeah, no. Dan Dare's was- ethic, highly ethically questionable. <laughs> <laughs> so what I mean I'm kind of coming to terms with uh when we talk about this especially because I am enjoying myself right now Conrad like I'm enjoying these stories and yeah. I'm, by the way we're halfway through these but Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but you 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 love this this comic even though knowing that they kept one of the things that I had the most disdain for. <laughs> Uh, it's all the coat, bro. This is a solid true. coat. <laughs> I mean, that's what it means. Sometimes you can be dressed sharp enough that you're okay with genocide. And they're just aliens. Like, whatever. <laughs> Man, you know, I'll, I'll erase this podcast if the aliens show up and start looking for anti-alien rhetoric. But, like, yeah. if you come from a non-Earth planet, then I'm like, whatever. Dan Dare can kill you. That's fine. <laughs> Humans? No, that's no way. I'm against that 100%. Just let his ass off leash. I don't With care. With a bunch of pirates and, like, people that he picked up from the Moss Eisley of this world. Yeah. Right? Like, he's just like, I'm gonna go find some criminals, we're gonna get lots of weapons, and we're just gonna go get turned loose. Like, I just, like, consider that for a moment. These are not yeah. loyal to a government kind of men. Look, yeah, okay, so listen, the objective description of what Dan Dare is and what he's doing, it makes him a bad guy. <laughs> just because yeah. he's a bunch, of well-armed, a bunch of well-armed criminals roaming around, taking down empires and destroying whole planets. Like, whatever. Oh, right? God. What have you done in your life? That's what I want to know. I judge Mr. Dan Dare. <laughs> no. F- fucking fair enough, right? Like, I'm sorry that I'm not a cool space battle guy who made friends with a giant Russian and a dude who's got a gun welded to his hand and a guy named Pilot. Guess what his job is? All right, That's right. Like, Reevaluate your life choices, buddy. Meanwhile... <laughs> Back on water planet. On a whole different planet, Dan Dare's uh, flying around on the surface of this water planet. He gets attacked by a giant tentacle. Ah, it's awesome. a tentacle attack! Yeah, it's a giant, like, tentacle. It's got a big... It's got suckers, but it's got a big mouth at the base and stuff. It's really awesome. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It's a very well-crafted uh, monster, I'll be honest. And Dave Gibbons, you rock. Yeah, no, he's doing... Dave Gibbons is really doing some yeoman's work with these monster designs. Um, it's really great. Yeah, so Dan Dare... So D- the Eagle Craft manages to escape the puckered hold of the giant tentacle. They fly around a little bit higher when suddenly there's a... Uh, whatchamacallit? An interstellar-style giant plant-wide tidal, tidal wave on this, on this water planet. And I'm just going to say right now, Interstellar totally ripped you guys off. Super duper, but <laughs> so the eagle, the the uh, the landing craft can't pull up enough to get out of the way of the tidal wave, and so suddenly they get hit by it, and they're um, tw- twenty miles down, like falling. The the, uh, the water douses the atomic engines of the craft 
and they just start sinking deep underwater. Yeah, it's not looking great. Yeah, stuck underwater. Uh, Dan Dare and the crew break out all their underwater stuff that they apparently just had lying around in the, in the craft. There's scuba suits, uh, under underwater tanks with like <laughs> diving bells on the top so one, they can see what's going on and stuff. One man tanks. They got little arms and single things. Person. They're called sea slugs. Light tracked reconnaissance vehicles for use on the seabed. Oh, it's so good. That's great. So they travel around and do some undersea stuff, but suddenly Dan Dare gets kidnapped by a bunch of sea monkey looking dudes, and then the ship is threatened by a giant sea monster. And that's where we end the sea adventures of Dan Dare and crew for this month. It uh, really starts us off great for our whole fucking ocean-themed podcast this month. Or Indeed. Week, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so what to say about Dan Dare? I mean, I guess we kind of got into it in the middle of it, so... Yeah. I mean... <sighs> no, I think everyone can, can fathom what our thoughts are for Dan Dare. Yes! Okay! <laughs> it's really good. That's a sea pun, buddy. <laughs> Oh, man. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Episode 17. Progs 58 to 62. April 1978. Thrill 1. Dan Dare. So we pick up Dan Dare from where we left off last week with uh, <laughs> the Eagle Landing crash and several key cast members, including Dan Dare, being trapped underwater. And Dan having been kidnapped by the sea monkey, look- sea monkey looking monsters. <laughs> Oh man! Or well, they look like like when they sold sea monkeys in like comic books. They'd have pictures of what the sea monkeys yeah. supposed to look like, and that's what they look like basically. And I don't know why all of them have butthole mouths, but everything under the ocean apparently has a butthole for a mouth. Oh yeah, <laughs> just a lot of holes. Yeah. So, but we start off with the eagle landing craft as a big old sea monster sit just sitting there in front of it, but it's not really doing anything. So the boys in the in the ship think it might be dead. And they, like, climb out to go poke it with a stick, basically. And when they do, <laughs> these tentacles come flying out of it and kill them all. So it's still alive. Oh, jeez. Oh, snap. It's got barnacles. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Dan Dare wakes up in the stronghold of the sea monkey-looking guys, introduce themselves at themselves as the Zeebs, once Dan Dare <laughs> puts his uh, psychic auto-translator in his ear. <laughs> Andy. Andy's psychic translator. Yeah, so they say that uh, the sea monster, the big sea monster guys, the uh, slurgs, are endangering their planet and might destroy it completely, which is going to mess them up because they're all about to go into hibernation for 500 years or something like that. And so instead of committing mass genocide on the people who saved his life, who are aliens... Well, yeah, yeah, hold on, Dan Dergis, let's not... Mark off genocide <laughs> completely off the list here. Dan, well, Dan, D- D- Dan agrees to uh, to help the Zebes against the Slurgs. <laughs> uh, he takes him back to their ship. As he does, the uh, our guys in the Eagle Craft explode one of the big Slurg monsters. And when they do, it explodes into a bunch of crazy death monsters. Because it had the pincer things in it. Those are yeah. bad. Apparently, the, these big guys, which are the size of, like, I don't know, like a, a warehouse or something, are full of tiny dudes that are basically just giant mouths. <laughs> called the Snappers. They're pretty uh, gross looking. Yeah. 
and they eat at least one dude, but they're easily killed by the sound energy from the Z because their kind of butthole mouths make them project <laughs> sound energy really well. <laughs> That's my understanding of how this comic book is. You know, it doesn't actually ever show them doing it. Like, it doesn't ever show their the front of them while they do it. So yeah, you don't I know what they're, they're doing. They're kind of going like a, like a woo 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 kind of, kind of sound <laughs> that like blows up the uh, blows up the slurs. I, you know, I'm not putting it past this comic. It was the weirdest portion of this entire arc, and I liked it the most. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so. So Dare and his crew and the thieves team up to go down and kill the Slurg Queen, which is in the bot, which is, who, who lives in the bottom of the ocean. To do so, they combine uh, Dan's Dan Dare's technology with uh, Zeeb technology to allow them to, to go super deep into like twenty miles down, where the pressure would normally kill him. So he heads out with a, a red shirt. The two of them. <laughs> Like halfway down, realize that they didn't set things up right, and one guy, <laughs> the other guy just basically freaking explodes from like from the pressure and stuff. It's horrible. It mostly just blows Dandere's uh, uh, clothes off, <laughs> which leads to him confronting the Slurg mother in her lair, wearing basically just like his diving helmet and like his, his speedos, I guess. Which is really great uh, as he's but, fighting what is a giant. Well. It, it makes no sense, but yeah, <laughs> as he fights another giant sort of spe- uh, sea slug kind of thing, he uh, he ends up jamming the solar device in the slurg queen's mouth and stabs it a couple times like a stalactite, and eventually the whole thing gets blown to calamari. Dander wakes up inside the space fort, and then he and his crew spend the next <laughs> two months cleaning up <laughs> the remaining slurgs around the, uh, the the planet. Now, by cleaning up. He means going into the water with these, like, really fast craft, just, like, lasering these things to death. Just massacring an entire species off of this planet so that one other species can live. Yeah, the Zeebs go into hibernation. It's another successful genocide for (laughs) Tandere's crew. There we go. Another successful genocide. I mean, you know, yeah. these guys, yeah. <laughs> they really are just a gang of murderers. Next up, oh, geez, giant space bugs. <laughs> oh, and they're gross looking. Yeah. So we, so the fourth prog, we end up being in medias res, attacked by giant space bugs. <laughs> For some reason, the crew seems to think the bugs might not exist, so they're like, oh, we can't be seeing these giant space bugs. Oh, but they're really there. Oh, but they might not be. They <laughs> back and forth about it for some reason? Yeah, it was weird, but then they when, just shoot it. Yeah, when in fact these space bugs are messing up their ship and respond to being shot, you know what I mean? Yeah. But so they sh- the ship has to land for repairs. They land on a nearby planet, which is apparently marked as forbidden on their space charts. <laughs> Great place to start. Oh, yeah. Well, on the surface, Dandere freaks out and sees a giant uh, version of the Mekon, his greatest enemy. It's really weird. Yeah. He goes crazy, but it turns out, hey, maybe it was just a dream, and he wasn't actually threatened by a giant Mekon that wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah, so it's like a sponge? Like it deflated or something yeah, like he, that. He like thinks he's falling and then lands on a, sp- on a giant land sponge, I guess. It's so- really out there yeah but so then a crazy alien army shows up uh, and the space <clears> force <throat> guys shoot the crap out of them but they're like clearly hallucinations from somewhere on this planet if you ask me 
yeah. a, a sweet message, uh, death awaits you here, appears in the sky. Yeah. And the crew ends up sort of going underground through a cave and then coming across like a car- like Charon on the river Styx or something. They board this evil river boat and go down <laughs> this big river. But then the boat disappears out from under them. And hopefully next week we'll learn the secret of this crazy planet. Yeah, they seem to be going all over the place right now. It looks like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory if it was an alien planet. It's a weirdo space planet that just hallucinations in people, apparently. That's all. That's definitely all we know right now. Yeah. It's got that Gulliver's Travels kind of odyssey feel to it. Yeah, no, this is a, it's a fun, like, going places, doing things, exploring the galaxy, blowing things up. Um, <laughs> Dan Dare said it ended Dare stories. I'm fine with it. You know. Singing songs, making movies, fighting around the world. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, pretty good show from Dan Dare this month. Um, I, I mean, I don't really have much to say other than, like, check marks for genocide. We saw him wipe out an entire race. For sure, yeah. They uh, wiped out some undersea races, hung out in some alien forests. Episode 18. Progs 63 to 66. May 1978. Thrill one, Dan Dare. Oh, God. Yeah, so uh, Dan Dare this week. Scripts are by Jack Adrian and Gary Finley Day. Arts by Brian Lewis and Dave Gibbons. And we start off still on the Nightmare Planet. Yep. Monsters and flashing lights and everybody loses it and goes crazy, except for Dan Dare himself, of course. Because he's so amazing. Yeah, he meets with the floating light beings that live on this planet. They're all pure energy, and so they create illusions to make people leave them alone. But Dan Dare sees through them because of his iron will. They're totally impressed by him. They're like, oh man, you're pretty good at not getting totally tricked by us. And because he's such a cool dude, they teleport him and all of his crewmen back to their ship, and they rewind time to when the mysterious space monsters attack their ships. But this time they just muse, they just make them look like asteroids instead of space monsters, so that instead of investigating, like, what's the deal with these space monsters, instead, the crew just continues on its way to other planets. Which, you know, for being super intelligent light beings that can make anything happen and exist outside of time and space, won't be left alone, think like asteroids would be the first thing you'd go for. Well, like, I feel like there's some more, maybe more superstitious uh, space dudes that would be like, oh, monsters, we don't want to go in there. But they aren't, hecka, intrepid the way that um, Dan (laughs) and his crew are, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, and the parallels for the Odyssey really start showing up, you know. Mm, I could see it with the sirens and whatever. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go on to the next one. Uh, this is the start of a big adventure on the Ice Planet. Uh, the star forts around in orbit around a planet made up entirely of ice. They, it just sort of seems that way until suddenly they get a life reading, and Dan and Dan goes down to the planet to investigate. He but takes, we're leaving out the most important part is that they had a close-up on an ice cream cone first. Well, yeah, I was going to say, the people he brings with him are pilot, who, a pilot, uh, the pilot for the ship, a radio guy, some riflemen, a pepper team, which I think is like a heavy machine gun, and mm-hmm. Crewman Wise, a newly introduced smart-ass member of the Space Fort crew. It's really weird. His role in this adventure is to make snow and ice puns, basically. Yeah, and to, well, I guess it's next prog, but totally use his powers to be terribly boring at jokes. 
he's he's real big with these puns. I'll say that much. Yeah. So everybody lands in like powered assault suits, but the surface is unsteady, and the radio guy immediately falls to his death in a crevasse. <laughs> Soon afterwards, a forest of ice spikes starts flying at the team. Uh, it impales at least one rifleman right in the face. This planet is out for blood. Yeah, it's killing everybody. Like, it just starts, you know, they land with a whole bunch of red shirts, like at least like four or five red shirts, and they just start yeah. getting peeled away real fast, you know? Well, yeah, they lo- yeah, you're right. They lose their radio guy, who was the only person who could break through the superstorm that's above them, and then their rifleman gets fucking skewered with a goddamn ice pick. And then the two yeah. people that they have that are there with a like awesome Gatling gun that are shooting down all of the ice spikes. Yeah, they fall through a, uh, a hole in the ground, and only Dan Dare and Pilot are, are still alive. Oh, except for Wise also, and he's got puns. God. And, like, people have just died. Yeah, he's super lighthearted for several of his buddies just perishing in a frozen wasteland. That's very strange. The whole fucking... Yeah. Yeah. So, they... They go on a big ice flow, and then suddenly they find a big ice pyramid. They go inside, and they hear a huge, booming voice. Uh, yep. And, like, uh, real talk, everybody, inside this pyramid, there's a giant fucking space squid. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, exists in the vacuum of space and is slowly it's, dying. It's got one big eye. It uh, says it's a, uh, it's a Cigna, which is a crazy, powerful space squid monster kind of thing. Yep, it's a tra- It's it was it's it's been trapped in the ice and is about to die. And when it dies, it'll get off a go off a big explosion. And basically, it's just been all alone and didn't want to die alone. And now that our guys have shown up, it's ready to kill itself. So in a super selfish way, it was like I just wanted some people around when I died to you know just so like, when I die I wasn't all by myself. I want to die, but like I also want to kill. So you see my problem, but. <laughs> He's been locked inside this stupid space pyramid where he can't kill anybody. Yeah. So Dan, so Dare's like, hey, you know, we could actually probably climb this pyramid that you've created around yourself and use it to get a signal to get picked up by the ship and save you. So how about we do that? And the squid's like, no, I'll just kill. I don't want to be saved. I'll just kill myself. So you guys have to stay here and watch me die. What? So they. They end up negotiating with him and like, okay, listen, you stay here and kill yourself if we fail. And we'll leave Wise behind to tell you jokes, but then we're going to try to save you. And like, all right, but if you don't come back soon, then I'll just kill myself. Right. Very, it's, like, it's very ridiculous. It's a really bizarre par for the course. Yeah. Now, Dan Dare. So Dan and Pilot climbed to the top of the ice pyramid. They managed to radio the the uh, the space fort, which fires its phasers into the pyramid, which rejuvenate the Cigna and allows it to escape. And it flies yeah. off into space. And it looks like Wise is dead. But as soon as Pilot says, "Oh, I'm gonna miss all his jokes and stuff," Wise is still alive to drop some super sweet ice puns. He's like, "Ah, oh, you like my jokes? Now I'm gonna tell you more jokes." And he's like, "Oh man, I shouldn't have said I liked his jokes." Yeah. Next episode on Dan Dare, the Garden of Eden, and things get more weird if you can believe it. It's worm dudes and pilgrims. <laughs> oh God, that's right. Oh, yeah! Gonna die terrible worm-based deaths. And hey, so sp- oh, go ahead, go ahead. 
worm-based deaths. Yeah. There's, I don't want to... Let's not spoil everybody, though. What do you got? <laughs> oh, I got nothing. I was oh. just going to say, it's like... it, Like, Dan Dare's turned into so weird of a comic book now. There's some weird stuff going on in these Dan Dares. That's definitely the case. Episode 19. Prog 67 to 70. June 1978. Thrill 1. Dan Dare. Very well done. Yeah, Dan Dare's uh, written all this month by Jack Adrian and the arts by Dave Gibbons. Nice. So, and and we start right in, in in the middle of things in a big sweet space battle. Uh, the fort, the space fort is a is a attack is taking on a bunch of like small attack craft. Our guys by are an- Yeah, they're answering an SOS on this nearby planet, and then they were attacked by a bunch of spaceships. Yeah, by mu- by mudmen. <laughs> Uh, the fight's pretty intense. Dandare puts on a spacesuit and fires a laser <laughs> turret that's like open to space. Yeah, I didn't really understand what was going on, but it hand waved enough that something exploded. It was pretty cool. Um, the aliens try to talk to Dare and sort of explain what's going on, but he destroys them. <laughs> the uh, the ship lands to get repairs, and they find a really nice planet with like fruits on the trees and stuff. And then they're greeted by. Yeah, it gets some, super weird. Yeah, by some kind of like pilgrim guy. Welcome to New Earth. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it takes a really weird turn. Yeah, so Dan talks briefly to this pilgrim guy, uh, Obadiah Crow. When really suddenly, great name, by the way. Yeah, when suddenly the aliens, the Vrak, start doing like a strafing run on the planet. Uh, our buddy pilot gets injured. Dan Dare manages to shoot down at least one of the ships with just like a rifle, and everybody makes their way to Obadiah's village, which is like a a quaint New England village, basically. Yeah, it is uh, picturesque, indeed. So several members of the crew, including new crew member Gunner Johansson, are are set to keep watch. As a Ob- named person. Yeah, exactly. As Obadiah tells his story, where apparently his people were crossing the sea to the New World in 1621, when their ship was captured by aliens, and then the alien ship crashed into this planet, and they sort of founded a colony here. And have not progressed since. Yeah. Suddenly a call comes out, and it looks like Gunner's been infected by a bunch of weird stuff. Oh, he's walking around drooling, being all creepy weird. Stop doing that, guy. He's all messed up with weird flower-based infestations. His mind is completely gone. What's to be done? As the uh, crew looks around, they find some freaky flowers, but that's about it. And that night, Dan Dare sleeps inside the settlement, and he has nightmares about the flowers in the forest attacking him. Yeah, they get real creepy. They get, like, tenderly creepy. Mm Mm-hmm. Dan awakes to a scream and finds a huge death flower over his head. He manages to shoot it, but then other crewmen are being taken down by these mind-sucking death flowers. Mm-hmm. Obadiah blames them on the Vrak, who then launch an attack on the village. Vrak attack! Exterminate the worms! They <laughs> shout. Uh, as they attack, it seems like maybe the town isn't what it seems. Like maybe the houses aren't <laughs> houses, but giant anthills. But nah, never mind. Keep fighting. As the Vrak advance, they're attacked by giant worm things. It's like, where'd those guys come from? Yeah, uh, they're sucking the heads off of dudes. It's super awesome. Yeah. 
Dan asks Obadiah what's up, like both with these worm things and the insanity flowers, and Obadiah just kind of deflects, like, oh, but what about our lovely town? Come hang out. Like, uh, what? Yeah, Dandare investigates and finds some suspicious stuff, like how all their holy books are blank, and how <laughs> even though the crew is responding to an SOS message, there don't seem to be any radios in the whole town. Uh, Pilot and Dan explore a bit, and they find a downed spacecraft. Uh, and like, was... yeah, is this the ancient one that the uh, colonists drove, uh, flew here in in like 1621? Nope, it's way more recent than that. <laughs> and suddenly <laughs> from behind them comes Obadiah himself, and he reveals the truth that he's a crazy war monster out for blood. Oh my god, he's going to suck off your head. Watch your head in there. Yep, and that's where we end and air for this month. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It, I like... This is what they started with, and I. It's weird for me to say that that was a really great starter. Each each of the comments. Oh, I don't think it started one of them. I think Inferno kicked off for um, the last prog, but yeah, the last like, two I think did there's towards the end actually. I'm really liking this new planet hopping down there. Yeah, man, this planet especially is a very fun one. Like the ice planet last episode was kind of static and stuff, but this one's really like there's a whole bunch of fights going on and it's moving things real forward. And then there's sort of a mystery around these um, settler guys that's exciting mm-hmm. to see resolved. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. <laughs> like the whole thing is set up weird. Like why yeah. pilgrims? Like they could have done anything, but they chose pilgrims, and this and the reason why it was weird. Everything was weird. Yeah, pilgrims is such a weird is such an odd choice, especially for like a British comic. I don't even know if they like sort of like have a tradition of pilgrims there. I guess the pilgrims came from there, but yeah, like, they don't have Thanksgiving to keep pilgrims in the uh, in this in the mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. <laughs> it, it you could have done cowboys with the same exact hand wave. Yeah, but that's what's fun. I think is that. Yeah, <laughs> like it. It's just weird, and and I really appreciate it. Just being completely uh, off the wall. Yeah, I mean, just a village of uh, of space pil- just a, an, an alien planet full of pilgrims would have been awesome. But yeah. then those pilgrims turned out to be like like reality warping death worms. Like, ah, uh, plus one, you know? <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, it was amazing. Oh. Yeah, it's cool. And also, like, just kind of dark, just in terms of, like, oh, like, maybe, like, these these alien guys we've been fighting and killing might actually have a point about these death worms, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Episode 21. Progs 71 to 75. July 1978. Thrill 5. Dan Dare. Oh my gosh. So, uh, script robot for Dan Dare is Jack Adrian. Art robot is Dave Gibbons. <gasps> worm attack! Oh, it's a worm uh, attack! It's really super gross. It's got ooze coming out of its weird mouth. Butthole yeah. mouth. So, uh, so Dan Dare and Pilot are showing down with a former Obadiah Crow who's now a giant worm with huge teeth in the front of it. It's they, really gross. They succeed in taking it out, but not before Pilot gets swallowed by the worm basically to the waist. Um, and man, munched on a little bit, man. Yeah. He's, he's not looking great. He gets pretty, I and mean, he's pretty obviously eaten. He's not just like someone tossed a sleeping bag on over his head. Like he's been chewed a little bit. Yeah. Um, Dan carries the injured steersman out to the village, where a 
which is now a huge worm hive. The team tries to leave, but they get back to the ship, and then now the insides of the star fort are full of giant worms. Oh, no! Yeah, they are everywhere. And they're gross, and they're writhing all over each other. Yeah. Worm attack, too! They're everywhere! <laughs> After shooting a ton of, wor- a ton of worms, uh, Dandare activates the auto pest remover, which sends 50,000 volts of electricity through the surface of the ship, turning all the worms to ash. Which, what? They just have everything in the Dandare battle playset. Don't worry, Fox. We're safe because of the rubber soles of our boots. <laughs> So, I mean, kind of, but it's a lot of electricity, man. If you think you'd think enough electricity to turn, uh, to turn like a, a billion flesh-eating giant worms into ash, would be able to defeat maybe half an inch of rubber on everybody's shoes. I'm <laughs> but, pretty certain, yes. But apparently not. <laughs> um, I, it's super rubber. Yeah, the worms are all dead, but then the Vrak, the alien attackers from last month, show up to yell at our guys. But instead of attacking, they send like a, a diplomatic delegation, and they're like, we thought you were friends with the worms because you kind of killed us when we tried to stop you from going to talk to the worms. But now it but seems it like seems you guys like are... cool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but since you fought them like we do, we're cool. The end. But things are getting rough for the Legion. Like, they're losing a lot of guys. And the survivors are like, this is like a suicide mission. We're just sort of slowly <laughs> losing people. Maybe we should stop doing this. And Dan gets very upset. Exactly. Last Dan Dare story. It's mutiny. Oh, geez. Um, but so, uh, Pilot's okay. So we cut basically maybe like a week or two later on the Star Fort. Uh, Pilot is okay and back on his feet. Gunner... Johansson, the victim of the uh, death flowers from last episode that, like, I don't know, eat people's brains, I guess. Yeah, wiggle tendrils inside your business. Yeah, he's um in, like, a medical capsule, and he wakes up, and he's going crazy, like, rabid. Um, and then as Hitman and Dan Dare are trying to deal with him, the ship uh, uh, shakes, and we see that <laughs> a... Uh, a yeah, jerk, lazy crew member has piloted the ship into a big meteor shower. And was like, uh, whatever, we'll just deal with it. And then, like, are you crazy? We're about to die. Yeah, like, those are meteors hitting our ship. Yeah. You're just going to sit there and like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> so a survey team is needed to check the damage to the ship and pilot volunteers. Out in space, they find a hole, but meteors are coming flying at them, and the crew abandons pilot who is smashed to bits. Pilot is dead and Dan Dare is pissed. Really pissed. Yeah. He uh, punches the leader of the survey team who draws his gun on Dare. It's mutiny. And and Dare's just like, dude, you best think about this, son. Well, I mean, everybody does think about it, and only Hitman takes Dan Dare's side. (laughs) The two of them escape into the ship. And upon reaching sickbay, they see that Gunnar Johansson's sickbay pod is smashed. He's on the loose. A crazy man. Yeah. The pair of them escape into an anti-grav tunnel, which is basically an elevator, I guess. Uh, But as they sort of float down the tunnel, the mutineers kill the anti-grav and uh, Dare starts to plummet to his death because he's in the middle of the things. There's nothing to grab onto or anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just love their weird bad joke. But so uh, Dare falls to his death as the uh, sky as the space fort flies into a meteor storm, 
at the last second, though, Dare is caught by the insane hands of Gunnar Johansson. He starts yelling at Dare and talking about voices in his head, telling him to smash and destroy. On the bridge, the mutineer leader, Haskins, is about to kill a crewman for, like, messing up the meteor shower. But then Bear tells him to stop. Oh, not Bear! Bear uh, Bear stabilizes the ship because he's been getting some flying tips from a pilot before he died. Mm -hmm. And the hunt for Dan Dare is on. Meanwhile, Hitman is stuck in the anti-grav tunnel. He kills some dudes, but is then captured. He tries to run, but then is confronted by Bear. It's a showdown. I can't believe it. Yeah, Bear would go traitor. It's terrible. Bear was like, he was one of those standout characters. I loved Bear. I mean, he was one of the only characters, but I loved him. (laughs) For sure. (sighs) Man, great showing by Dan Dare. Yeah, fun Dan Dare stuff, man. These the 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 end of the worm fight, just the 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 crazy stuff with the worms was really was really awesome. Well, and it's true that the the kill count has been going up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's uh, I think I I don't think that the mutiny or the idea of it was too out of place. There wasn't enough murmuring for me in previous books to be like, oh, like people are unhappy, but it. I'm all right with a good hand wave for schlock, right? Like, it's just yeah. like, we're moving on here. These guys are, like, they came from bad guy planet. You know yeah, what I mean? They came from the bad guy planet, and they have been losing a ton of red shirts. Yes. As time goes by, you know? So it makes sense that they'd be sort of unhappy about the current situation. It makes it makes pretty good sense to me, I think. Well, but I don't, I, this is the one weird inconsistency for me. I don't, they never said he couldn't come back if he started taking crazy casualties or something, did he? No. Or did they? No, I don't think so. They, they just kind of said, assemble your crew. Yeah. He's not, like, out, hey, he, he's not out. out there forever. He could head back if he wanted to, I think. Yeah. What if they, <laughs> I mean, like, resupply, rest up. You guys have been, like, taking down evil star empires and... Getting chewed on by worms. Yeah, that's it not Dan Dare's style, though. You know, he just no. ru- 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 he just keeps people going until they ru- rub down to nubs or something, basically. <laughs> I mean, yeah, deep deep down underneath, Dan Dare just wants to make sure everybody dies. <laughs> exactly. Episode twenty two, Prog seventy six to seventy nine, August nineteen seventy eight. Thrill two. Dan Dare. <laughs> so script robots for Dan Dare. Th- script robots for Dan Dare this month are uh, Jack, Adrian, and Henry Miller, and the art robots are Dave Gibbons and then Goring and Leach. Ah oh, snap! Mutiny Part Four. Yeah. So when we last left, uh, Bear, the uh, Russian cosmonaut member of the crew, had pulled the. Gu- yeah, he he had pulled his gun on the only other non-Dandare member of the crew that matters, uh, Hitman. <laughs> and he seemed to go over to Hitman's side, then double-crosses him. Bears being a real jerk, the, these progs. Damn. The leader of the mutineers against uh, Space Captain Dandare, Haskins, confront the members of the crew that are still loyal to Dare and subdue them, including the uh, Scottish ship's engineer. I see you guys. <laughs> They smack his hand with a billy club, and he's like, Oh, my gun! My gun yeah. hand! <laughs> uh, Bear suggests loading them all into an eagle and sending them out into the meteor storm. Instead of killing them. Yeah, instead of just firing squad them right away. Meanwhile, Dan Dare wakes up and is in the uh, bottom of, like, 
the turbo lift or whatever and is grabbed by Gunnar Johansson, who loads Dan into an Eagle ship and shoots the pod bay doors or the, the hangar doors of the ship out. And the two, and they take off into space. This depressurizes the hangar just as the mutineers take the loyalists below to put them in a ship. And so, like, the, uh, the airlock's about to blow out. <laughs> so Gunner and Dare blast out. Uh, the loyalist guys are because of where they're situated in the uh, in the in the airlock room leading to the hangar are able to put on spacesuits, while the mutineer while the mutineers just sort of crowd around this rapidly breaking window, and so the mutineers all get sucked out into space while the <laughs> loyalists are able to successfully survive in spacesuits, which is pretty uh, handy, I guess. Hooray! Uh, Dan, Dan Dare, meanwhile, in the airlock of the Eagle Craft, manages to find his spacesuit and and jetpack. <laughs> and lucky ducky, yeah, he escapes from the Eagle Craft and flies back to the space fort. Ju- um, box. <laughs> yeah, well, there's still a huge uh, meteor sh- storm going on, you know. <laughs> so everything is getting fucked up yeah surviving the um the 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 blowout uh hitman and the rest of his loyalist guys start sweeping the decks of the eagle dan dare and his jetpack makes for the part of the ship that's been holed by the asteroids and haskins sends some dudes in their own space jetpacks to take dan dare out but they end up being killed by gunner um as dudes in the corridors are killed by hitman and his guys this is a very action-packed section, I'll say that much. Dandier gets in the ship, but as he does, um, weapons fire from Gunner triggers these, like, auto-sealing gel nozzle- nozzles in the, in the ship. Like, block holes and stuff. And it just keeps coming. Well, then well then Gunner manages to accidentally shoot one of the nozzles, so suddenly it's just spraying ship-sealing <laughs> foam all over the place. And oh, Dan Dare's like, oh, geez, I'm about to be suffocated by this foam. It's just too much of it. I can't take it all. Yeah, so he ends up blocking the foam nozzle with his space helmet and eventually gets free. Once he does, he uh, cleans out his helmet and drops it and his jetpack off in this part of the ship. Uh, put a pin in this fox. It'll become relevant in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Hitman and his loyalists are pinned down by mutineer guys, but they're saved by uh, Dan Dare, who kills them from a different position. Um, at this point, the but mutineers are... Mo- specifically. Yeah, sorry. He shoots some guys in the back because he's a good guy in this story. Um <laughs> It looks like um, things are going bad for Haskins. Um, he tries to make a, a, a break for it, and Bear turns on him, and it looks like he was with Dare all along. He's just been sort of pretending to be a mutineer to try to minimize the loss of life among the, uh, um, among the loyalists and stuff. Then he gets slapped with a rocket launcher. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Haskins makes his escape. He, uh, along the way, he uh, hey he gra- he needs to get out of the ship, so he grabs Dandere's helmet and jetpack and escapes at an airlock. Not a good idea. He flies to the Eagle that Gunner Johan- that Gunner Johansson's been flying around all this time and comes in <laughs> and, and enters the airlock, and then Gunner's there and he's like, Ah, oh, Dandere, you come back! I'm gonna kill you! And he's like, I'm not Dandere, and and Gunner's like, It says Dandere on your helmet. And he's like, No, I borrowed the helmet. And like now you're gonna die. But then uh, the ship gets hit by a pair of meteors, and yep, uh, they're dead. That's all for that story. 
And this is how Dan Dare solves a like five part episode. No, six. Yeah, you six send, parts. you send, you make the mutineer dress up like you. You send them to the guy who's space crazy, and then they both get hit by asteroids. That's the, like what it says in the Navy manual for dealing with it with mutineers. Frankly, <laughs> who wrote it? The fucking Thundercats. Well, you know, I feel like uh, Jack Adrian was trying to make way for the new creative team that starts in the final Prague. Um, oh, Dan really? Dare this month. Yeah, there's a new writer and new uh, art team. It's weird. It's very like dark and like yeah. sketchy kind of. That's what I mean. It looks like a sketch, not that it's like I don't know, not reliable or something. But yeah, you know, if I saw it in a dark alley, I wouldn't be afraid. I would just be like, oh, interesting color choices. <laughs> exactly. So this time the uh, the the uh, Dan Dare crew is headed for a planet they've heard of, Altair 4, which is the home of a couple crew members, including the youngest crew member, because this is the first time we've heard about him, so he's apparently newly created. Uh, the kid? Yep. Everyone's looking forward to R&R on the planet, but then the whole planet is blowing up, and the ship and the, and the planet explodes. Yep. The ship's computer, which is now a uh, sexy lady for some reason. Yeah, and named computer. Well, of course, you got to call your computer computer. If you give it a name, it'll start getting getting ideas. Sure, but man. it uh, it tracks an energy trail that appears to have caused the blast. So the fort follows it as Bear takes the kid down to sick bay. While in you know, hyper to, to put him under so he'll shut the fuck up. Well, he's in shock. You know his whole plan's been destroyed. No one wants to hear. And you know, some dude lamenting his lost planet is depressing. So you just knock him out for a little while. You know, <laughs> get it out of his system. Yeah. While the uh, while the kid's knocked out in a sick bay tube, uh, Bear goes crazy. He goes space crazy, and he tries to open an airlock into space. But only man just open enough to suck out four crew members into the depths of hyperspace while he himself stays inside the ship. What fox? They're killing so many fucking people. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, (laughs) so bear. So they managed to. So Hitman and Dan Dare managed to subdue Bear and do kind of a "Don't you die on me" type CPR thing to bring him back to life because he was sort of exposed to the vacuum. Um, the ship returns to normal space, but is immediately hit by something. All ship powers go out, and the fort is suddenly caught in the tractor beam of a gigantic vessel being pulled in. What's going on? Next prog, Death Ship. Looks pretty fucking cool. Yeah, well, I just want to say, we kind of didn't mention it for um, for Robo Hunter, but both Robo Hunter and, and Dan Dare is where we really start seeing uh, this shadow of Star Wars really taking effect on 2000 AD. Yeah, big time. Like the... the oh, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, the Virtus colony ship looks just like a Star Destroyer, like mm. fully 100% like a Star Wars um, A New Hope Star Destroyer. Then, this Dan Dare story is about a planet being destroyed by a powerful spaceship and ends with our good guy spaceship being pulled by a tractor beam into a giant bad guy spaceship, as also happens in Star Wars. Reverse order Star Wars, yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying, we're sort of seeing some beats that are being repeated in these comics. I don't, it's not like super wholesale, like they're just remaking Star Wars, but, um, you know, it's something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. This, that said, um, Mutiny is really like what's 
what's kind of competing with Judge Dredd for me for the end of this, by the way. Mm. Just because so many explosions and so many people die and so many innuendos and so many, like, just stupid things <laughs> happening. There's so much, like, violence going on inside the ship this month. It's crazy. I'm surprised it's, re- it's still together. Yeah, it's really, like, over the top, and it's really, like, I have no idea how many people are still alive or part of Dan Dare's crew, you know? A lot of them seem to be dying very quickly. Like, Haskins has some very good points about Dan Dare's management style for yeah. um, this mission, because people are dying left and right. And, like, still dying. Yeah. And the people he's put in charge also get men killed, like, fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. It's not great. Yeah, no, it's, it's a real like Mickey a Mouse operation, games. frankly. <laughs> Oh, man. And, like, he just picked the most charismatic sociopaths that he met on the crime planet to be, <laughs> like, his his second his second and third in command, you know? Like, well, Hitman, Hitman and Bear were just, like, two jerks that he met on that um, on that crime planet, and now they're, like, in charge of the, show, of the whole shebang. Well, it's, it's, you know, you gotta get a crew together that you feel like understands the expendability of lesser crew members, right? So these guys probably, <laughs> you know, were running their own operation, maybe, you know, came into some towns, ate some people, ripped them apart. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Episode 24. Progs 82-85. September and October 1978. 305. <laughs> Dan Dare. I couldn't figure out how to link that with Doomsday Machine. It's fine, buddy. Uh, script robots are uh, Henry Miller and then Lando and Preston. Art robots are Goring and Leech and then Dave Gibbons. Lettering robot is Pete Knight. Okay. <laughs> so we left... We, we finished last week with the Starfort being depowered and tractor beamed into the hold of some other even bigger ship. We now see that the hold is full of other spaceships. Uh, the Enterprise is in there. The ship from Space 1999 is in there. Uh, Maria, the, uh, the machine minch from the movie Metropolis is in there. So Dare, the kid, and Hitman go out to investigate the ship. They get attacked by crazy space primitives. Uh, Hitman and Dare are separated from the kid, and they find refuge with this old space guy named Jeremy Bartholomew Binder, or Jebby to his friends. Who looks slightly like that one future shot guy who threw a probe into a sun. It's true, he looks like the space um, janitor from February. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's got a, a nicely appointed spaceship with lights that keep away the primitives because they don't like the lights, but the batteries are going out, so they're about to be covered in darkness. It's bad times. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Yeah. Prog 81 has a Dandare cover that says Dandare, Guardian of the Galaxy, which is kind of funny with the Star-Lord stuff that's coming up. Mm-hmm. There's some uh, parallels. Yeah. Note that uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and the character Star-Lord did exist at this point, though Star-Lord was a really minor character and wasn't a member of the Guardians just yet. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, these savages got these savages grab Dan, Hitman, and Jebby, and then they drag them to this weird podium in the middle of the ship. Things get weird. Yeah. They get tied up and then ditched, and suddenly a bunch of glowing eyes appear in the darkness. Also in this prog, there's a cool pinup of the Space Ford at the end of the episode. Yeah, or, I really like it a at lot. The, at the end of the issue, yeah. So, uh, Dare, Hitman, and Jebby all get eaten alive by a giant techno snake. Oh, no. <laughs> Meanwhile, but Bear wakes don't... up and... Oh, go ahead. oh, sorry. I was going to say, but don't worry. It, it's not so bad, question yeah. mark. 
for sure. Yeah. Bear wakes up in uh, sick bay, and despite the fact that he went space crazy and opened up the airlocks and killed four dudes, he's immediately made acting commander. Um, <laughs> he goes out on his own to find the kid, and he quickly does, as well as the search party that was after the kid in the first place. Kid is alive. The others have been speared to death by savages. Which, holy shit. And they really show it. Like, these guys yeah. are definitely speared. They're full-on speared and crucified against the walls and stuff. A snake then vomits. Well, yeah. Uh, kid is also <laughs> getting telepathic messages, and oh, he and right. Bear follow them deep into the ship. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the space snake pukes out Dare, Hitman, and Jibby, <laughs> and they're all now encased, encased in stasis in these glass pills. After some quick mind scanning, they're released from the glass and they see that they're in some kind of space zoo. It already has a human in residence, so they are rejected. What happens to rejects to the space zoo? Uh, this giant monster hand behind them certainly has some ideas. Oh, God. It's <laughs> the most terrifying of things that I can imagine that I would face in space. <laughs> it's a giant space bear. Yep. So, next prog... Um, Bear and the kid find a control room, and through a window they see Dare, Hitman, and Jebby attacked by a crazy space monster. Aw, oh, man. Yeah, Bear breaks through the window and goes mano a claw with the big bear, with the big monster. Um, and, like, really gives it a run for a little while. Yeah, man, Bear gets slashed, but gets a second wind. He jumps on the back of the monster with a big knife and just starts stabbing it and stuff. Eventually, he rides the back of the monster into a Star Wars required nearby bottomless pit, and <laughs> Bear is dead. Oh, no. It's such garbage, but such the right way to go for him. It's a sad but honorable death for Bear. Mm -hmm. Kid hears a telepathic voice pulling him forward. We um, follow him along. Um, next up, next prog, Dan, Hitman, Kid, and Jebby follow Kid's psychic brain through the ship past jars of preserved aliens and doors sealed by alien languages that Kid can suddenly read. They come to a huge golden door which Kid in a trance is able to open. Inside... And, uh Oh. Conrad, yeah, you're you're following this kid who's got potentially psychic powers, and he leads you to a giant golden door. Yeah, um, and seems to not be himself anymore. You think it's a good idea to let him open that door? Like, well, I think first I'm going to shoot the door and see what happens. <laughs> Answer: The bolt rebounds back on me and almost kills me. <laughs> <laughs> but what if the room starts filling up with gas? Oh, you know these things happen. So the uh, door opens, they enter in. <laughs> These things <laughs> They find a uh, an ancient feasting table that hasn't been touched for centuries. They like pick up the goblets and they dissolve in their hands and stuff. Behind a golden cloak, they find the last of the owners of the ship, and it's a big, it's a big monstrous alien skeleton, <clears throat> the last of the golden ones, which looks slightly angelic. Which I think was purposeful. Yeah, it's like an alien. It's like it's a regular kind of skeleton, but the uh, skull has kind of a gray kind of skull, but with antenna, like you know, big eyes, oh. antennas, small mouth, and then they have uh, wings on the back, bone wings. Like it's but not like weird. well, they don't have wings like a bird, where the bird wings actually just kind of really, really thin bones. Yeah, that sort of the feathers cover these guys. Like their bones are all wing, so they have kind of like insect wings, kind of. Anyhow, it's very bizarre. So so yeah, so there's a weird skeleton and kids that looking real crazy. He suddenly got magic powers and he's shooting beams at people. 
Um, Dandir grabs the skeleton and immediately disintegrates, and that seems to cool Kid, kid out. He's now fully possessed by the Golden One and tell his story. The Golden Ones were apparently an ancient race of winged alien dudes. They were exploring the galaxy, but they all eventually died, and the ship was put on autopilot, and now it's wandering space, getting samples and blowing up planets. It's Which, uh, really, yeah, not great for anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, Kid leads the guys to the central power core, where there is a lever that will turn off the power from the ship, probably killing everybody aboard, but at least the ship won't be blowing up planets. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Dandir throws the switch, and it's time to run, to escape. <laughs> the quartet runs back to their ships, uh, sprinting through the horde of savages. As they do, Hitman gets speared in the back. No! That's oh, such crap. Yeah, Hitman sacrifices himself to cover Dan and the kid as they, and just they, run to the Starfort and get aboard the Eagle Crafts. No mention of the other crew of the ship that maybe might want to survive the destruction of the ship and go along <laughs> on the ships with them. Nah, just kid in one ship, Dan in the other ship, they fly out. Let's get out of here, man. Um, they approach the uh, hangar of the big ship they're in. The, there's a standard sort of, you know, the door starts closing as they do. Dan Dare makes it out. The kid is wall pizza. Um, Dan appears safe until suddenly the big ship explodes and he's caught in the shockwave. We end Dan Dare with him in his spacesuit, lying on a piece of wreckage from the eagle, unconscious, floating through the depths of space. Is this the end for Dan Dare? Nah, like Robo Hunter, he'll be back in Prog 100. Oh, okay, awesome. I was actually I was waiting for that because holy crap, that ending. Am I right? It's ultra bleak, man. Like they just start what? running. They forget about everybody. Get on those ships, and then it's just like Dan. It's 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 cool because he's sort of lying on the symbol of the eagle, which is the comic he used to be in back in the day. So mm-hmm. it's real like symbolic and stuff. But it's just him sort of splayed out like Titanic style um, on this piece of ship, yeah, floating ju- like floating into the void. Basically. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I I just gotta say like this is this is the comic strip that you and I where it's like the action battle playset from Mattel featuring Dan Dare you know and and it's so fun and and crazy and acid induced sometimes <laughs> but never but never bleak you know <clears throat> and it's something interesting that they've been doing recently like how they end stories. Uh, yeah. haven't haven't been too like positive and i think that's such a an interesting thing to do for a kids comic book series and that was dan dare oh uh, my god are your eyeballs still fixed into your skeleton structure bones and meat like uh, maybe you gotta sit down for a second well, i'm sure you yeah. just had your thrill circuits blown everyone's all super bummed as dan dare ends floating off into space on a on a, the side of an eagle landing craft while uh, some like david bowie-esque music is playing in the background definitely yeah so dan dare would return with amnesia in Prague 100 uh in another mecon storyline that ends in a cliffhanger that's never really been picked up uh, Let's just not talk about it. Yeah, Dan would later be revived in 1982 with the relaunch of the Eagle comic, and again in 1990 in the pages of Revolver, and it's kind of bounced around a lot since then. There's currently a version in the works that'll be written by 2080 alum Peter Milligan, who's done some great stuff, but not in our 2080 timeline yet. 
But gotcha. Also, uh, just so we're clear, I've just included the prog entries in this collection. There is a lot of, d- of contemporaneous Dan Dare stuff in like the specials and the annuals. There's two whole Dan Dare and specific annuals. But mm. man, a lot of that stuff isn't great. And <laughs> this is this is just a long show anyway. So yeah. Oh God. With that Good said, Fox, what are your top three moments of Dan Dare? Dan Dare okay. Lost Worlds, I should say. Uh, I mean, I gotta take a breath here. So first and foremost, Dan Dare is a murder genius, wacky, crazy man who <laughs> got put in charge of a crazy people uh, spaceship. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you. Uh, dude, all of the deaths of every crew member eventually become this, like, huge theme that's been going on the whole time. It's, like, mm. this massive buildup of a subplot, and you don't even realize it's coming. Like, I wasn't expecting a mutiny. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought this was just going to be Adventure Time, let's go blow up some planets. Right. And instead, it was just, like, this eventually the resource dwindles and everyone's just like no man fuck this guy yeah eventually <laughs> losing losing five re- losing five red shirts in every every mission eventually wears on the crew <laughs> hey why why aren't these guys dead yet what the hell's going on with that you always bring them and they're always alive why are they <laughs> yeah it's really good i awesome. like uh, villains like i there's just there's this whole bucket of people that i that I gush about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I have a thing for hypno pilgrim worms, um, <laughs> but like, even even space bugs, you know, or doppelgangers, or just weird ancient godlike beings encased in ice that want to hear ice puns. Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> like, I, and it just doesn't stop. Like, it's just insanity after next insanity. Like, yeah. oh, God, it's so brilliant. And uh, I guess if, like, I had to cap it out with a third, you know, genocide, I didn't think it would make a character. But if you really look at, I mean, the Dandare that I was exposed to when we mm-hmm. first started um, is a, was a murder guy. He was yeah. just like, ah, fuck these people, fuck this, I'll shoot that. And, like, I had, but you reform that bloodlust into... <laughs> I'm doing it for a greater cause. And suddenly you've got this amazing mixture of just really interesting psychosis. Yeah, you know, the uh, the the general, like, these aliens are jerks, let's blow up their planet attitude of Dan Dare really defines him as a character in this sort of whole section of the story, for sure. It's, it's awesome. It's super awesome. It's so awesome. I wish it just never ended, and then they just changed it. But anyway, mm. let's talk about some good shit. How about you, Conrad? What? Oh, man. I had some specific moments, I guess. Um, one is just the whole Star Slayers arc. And oh, God. all the crazy Star Slayer stuff they do. The gen- the, uh, <laughs> the leader, the Dark Emperor of the Star Slayer, having a helmet that shoots a star out of it that cuts people's heads off and then returns to his helmet that's that's ridiculous gotta be prepared they around the planet of star slay they have crucified (laughs) all their enemies on giant stars and just leave them up there to die but they put them in spacesuits first so that they die of natural causes on those stars (laughs) they just die of exposure up there in space Ah, oh, it's so horribly amazing. It's so good, man. These Star Slayers are good, uh, good bad guys for sure. Oh, 
genocide missile or bomb or whatever it was called. Well, they had like a big thing, like that wave thing that made everybody, um, like, you know, brainwash them basically. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they were also planned destroyer bombs. I don't think the Slayer, the Star Slayers had those. I think those were other guys. Um, oh, man, he was, like, running away from the dudes after... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he got caught in the explosion <laughs> of his own doomsday <laughs> weapon. And, like, no one else got hurt by that doomsday weapon. That's awesome. <laughs> it just goes to show, uh, you know, death or planet destroyer bombs just beat all things. You gotta be careful with them. Uh, I think my, my next thing is definitely just the uh, the team that, that Dan Dare develops, you know? I mean... Oh, yeah. They don't get remembered, but just, like, uh, especially, like, Hitman and Bear is sort of number two guys who, you know, Hitman is just loyal and has a gun stuck to his hand, and that's enough, you know? (laughs) They're they're side characters, man. Like, Bear is a space Russian, and that's cool. Like, there's no, no one can doubt his space Russian-ness, you know? And he will kick your ass. Yeah. Definitely, absolutely. And then I think my final thing is kind of a meta one, but it's basically just the fact that in the next Dandare storyline, uh, Dandare will be brought brought before the commission that gave him the job to go to the Lost Worlds, be told that his mission was a failure, and then be tried and convicted for treason based on his actions during the storyline. Which, oh my god. <laughs> like, I, I remember when he was found guilty... And it was supposed to be this big setup, but actually when they sort of listed the charges and stuff, I remember us kind of being like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense, actually. Like, that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Awesome. Oh, my God. So do you have any final thoughts you want to say about Dan Dare before we leave these folks for um, with another completed Space Spinner 2000 collection? I don't know if you're as disappointed as I am with the three-act structure of his life in 2000 AD. (laughs) Um, I'm massively disappointed. I'd like, this is one of those comics that I hated and then fucking the love I still have for it. And the things that I still think about from that shit are amazing. Mm -hmm. And then it died again. And it's like, don't bring back my relative who I kind of didn't like. And then like they redeemed themselves only to take them away from me. (laughs) Oh no. Very, very personal. Yeah. I fucking I love this comic. I I hope I really I honestly will say I hope that you guys enjoyed it and I hope that you read it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I think for me, um, it's weird because there's supposed it feels like there's supposed to be some nostalgia with Dan Dare where where you know you're, they're supposed to say that name and it's supposed to mean something to you and it's always been our problem of yeah. just not knowing who this character is supposed to be. You know, I feel like, exactly. but but I feel like for this it kind of ended up giving us that where in, t- in the course of 2000 AD where just the initial stories set us up for this thing to be kind of a here's hip new Dan Dare look at his cool coat <laughs> and, <laughs> and and good haircut and stuff and it was eyebrows. a yeah well he, he always has the eyebrows that's the right. one through line of all Dan Dare things but um yeah I thought like the Lost Worlds are very fun like er- early 2000 AD thrill it's one of those ones that sort of doesn't survive to Prague 150 or whatever, um, and but does form the backbone of the early stuff, and so you know exists in that sort of pre-golden age era that I think is definitely worth looking at and worth checking out. Fuck yeah, man! Yeah, 
couldn't have said it better. And doing this stuff does make me interested to see what the new the newer versions of Dan Dare are. And I know I know there's a radio play and other stuff like that. Like it's maybe interesting to look into the nostalgia aspects of this sort of I don't know specifically British sci-fi character. I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah, man. Totally. The, the fascinating world of this microcosm. Their ways are mysterious to us, as I always say. Um, <laughs> that's it for our episode. I hope you enjoyed it and our coverage of Dan Dare's Daring Adventures. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com the 2000 AD forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter or at Space Spinner 2K for everything else look up Space Spinner 2000 we should be there and for everyone out there thanks for listening to this Space Spinner 2000 collection we'll be back soon with awesome 2000 AD action until then I'm Conrad he's Fox and this has been the Space Spinner 2000 collection for Dan Dare The Lost Worlds Splendid for Thrig!